Our Idle Hands, Folklore, Fiber Arts, and Witchcraft, hosted by Severely Maine. Have you ever been told that idle hands are the devil's playground? I can say, for me, that is very true. I'm Severely Maine, and welcome to Our Idle Hands. Here, myself and some of my friends will meet at the crossroad of fiber arts and witchcraft to investigate their connections, folklore, and history. Our Idle Hands podcast has the goal to investigate and explore the cross-section of two styles of what I call feminine arts, fiber arts and witchcraft. Not only will each episode provide some research into these connections, but my guests and I will also be making this into an oral grimoire, keeping up with the tradition of these formerly feminine arts being passed down orally as they have been for centuries. Though I may call these activities feminine arts, I know that they are enjoyed by all types of people from all cultures around the world now. They classically have been gendered, and luckily in today's society, that has shifted and no longer is the standard way to think of these art forms. I'd like to dedicate this episode and all episodes I create to the late Joe Netherworld, America's favorite Satanist. He was a great witch and has influenced me greatly and my craft so deeply. So, if you are not familiar with uh, who I am, I'm not sure how you found this, but I'm happy that you did. Uh, my name is Mame. I'm better known as Severely Mame. I used to be a drag performer. I'm 31 and I live in Phoenix, Arizona, but I come from Massachusetts by way of Brooklyn, New York. As you might have guessed, I am a fiber artist and a witch, both being lifelong passions for me, but I only recently really tried to start to mix these two things together. And as I've been mixing, I've found that they obviously have a background in the same thing. Um, I call it feminine arts sometimes because that's the society I was raised in. Uh, Things that were considered just crafts or, you know, hobbies uh, by men uh, are the things that I loved and still do. Now, witchcraft is maybe not thought of as a hobby or as much, but I think stereotypically, witches in popular culture have always been thought of as feminine. So I know that there is some sort of connection between these two. And I thought, what better way to explore it than do it with a podcast and a group of friends and see what we can find in the flavors of fiber arts that we love and the occult books that we read, and folklore that we find, and personal things that we do in our craft. So, I figured I would kind of give you the rundown of me and this podcast in the first episode since um, I've never done this before. So, this is a little bit of a learning episode for me. I'm going to figure out what works and what doesn't. Uh, when you're listening to this, it is Walpurgis Notch, and I'm very excited to be releasing this episode for this day. Um, I 
had dedicated this podcast to Joe Netherworld. We always celebrated his birthday on this night, so it felt like a great night to be starting things off. It's always been celebratory for me since I met Joe, and I think always will be. Uh, So I figured while everyone is getting ready for their evening celebrations, they have a podcast to listen to uh, from me. Now, uh, like I said, this episode is going to be a bit of an introduction from me. Uh, You just will kind of hear what I do in the world of fiber arts, what I do in the world of the occult, and kind of what the idea is and what will be in this podcast um, as it goes on. Now, I guess I can just get into some of the things about myself since that's actually what the entire episode kind of will be. So I apologize. Also, like I said, this is my first time recording a podcast, so we will see um, kind of how this goes across the board because, you know, I can knit a sweater or make a dress, but can I figure out how to use technology? I think so also thank god i have keenan because they will probably just figure out all the technology parts of it for me uh so if i'm gonna start out with uh fiber arts and me kind of tell you about what i do um i only recently started to refer to myself as a fiber artist my friend elena kanegi laus and i uh were doing a panel with the New York Historical Society in December of 2022. And when we first started our discussions about that, she made it very clear that I need to start referring to myself as a fiber artist because I was kind of, you know, talking down about the things that I do right off the bat, making it just be like a hobby or, a you know, just like a little thing that I do and not an actual art form that it is. I've always called myself a sewer or a knitter. If I was feeling very proud of something I made, I'd maybe call myself a seamstress. Um, But I've never thought about calling myself a fiber artist until Elena said it. Uh, But the thing is, I've always been someone who makes things. I've always got a book or a project in my purse at the ready to work on it or in my lap. And as time has gone on, I found more things to kind of pique my interest in the realm of fiber arts. Uh, I started sewing at a very young age, uh, probably, I think I always say seven. That is just truly a guess because it was probably younger than that. Same with knitting, it came soon after. um, And I have kept up with both of them uh, on and off for years, but mostly on. Um, so I learned to sew first, I think, and then I learned to knit and it was one of those things as a kid, I I knew I wanted to do them and I couldn't really figure out what to make, but I still did it nonetheless. Um, and as time has progressed and, you know, I have found more things that I want to try out, embroidery became something I really enjoyed doing. Uh, I love embellishments. I love vintage clothing. If you're not familiar with me and how I look, I primarily wear vintage and vintage style clothing. Uh, So the details of 
a lot of that stuff inspires me in what I'm making. So it was, it only made sense that I was going to then take up embroidery and beading and put that into the things that I make myself. Uh, and then I've even gone as far as trying to learn uh, timbre beading and cruel embroidery, which is kind of done differently than standard embroidery or beading that I knew how to do. Uh, and that one is something I have not gotten super deep into, but I have learned kind of the basics of it. Uh, and then last year, I was inspired by a woman that I follow on Instagram to start spinning yarn. Um, and this was a specific fiber art that I saw and I thought, oh, okay, this is something I can easily understand a deep connection between the fiber art, the making of this, and how it is, and the, like, how the actual end product and the making of it is tied to witchcraft. In my head, it just immediately made sense. And that's when I thought that there's got to be more of more connectors between these two things. And I needed to really start investigating that. I figure I should also kind of tell you about like my, my world of witchcraft, my little corner and what that looks like. Uh, so you have some frame of reference for kind of what, what I do now outside of the sewing room. Um, so my craft is primarily like folk magic and traditional witchcraft inspired. Uh, I have spent the last year really focusing on those two things or more than that, but I'll kind of go deep dip back into that when I kind of give you more about like my, my history as a witch. Um, but yes, for now, I have a focus on like folk magic and traditional witchcraft that I have been really diving into deep over the last year, um, both with readings and practicing myself. Um, I really do have a pretty like eclectic style, uh, which is... I think what a lot of witches say too, because I think it is true of all of us. Um, and I don't think I could pin down every little thing um, that I like to do, but I have always had like a, like I make things and like what, like in that realm, I also make magic. So folk magic is kind of inherent in me and I didn't really know how to put it to words until recently when I've really been diving more deeply into like reading um, which was never my thing before this I think I was a very hands-on let's figure this out kind of witch uh, but I'll kind of go into like my history with you know witches uh, because I think that to understand what I do and who I am, all of this is like very important. Um, I think as a child and many queer people, I think share this same storyline with me. As a child, I was very obsessed with witches. 
I was particularly obsessed with The Wicked Witch from The Wizard of Oz. Um, again, I think queer people know this very well. I think I this is shared with a lot of people. And I absolutely love that. It, the Wicked Witch of the West is like a very important figure to me. And now as I've gotten older, Glenda the Good Witch has actually started to resonate with me really well. Even though I will always say I'm a Wicked Witch there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts there, but I think I really am maybe in my Glenda era currently. Um, but The Wizard of Oz, huge, huge influence on me, and it's really sparked that, like, obsession with witches. And then I, of course, loved Halloween as a child, so that led me to, like, being able to dress as a witch, which I will f- hunt down some of the photos to share with me as like a little boy dressed up as a witch um and it that like halloween obsession with witches started to last year round obviously and i started to like collect like figures and dolls and little sculptures and things like that of witches i had like this big collection of witch you know things like statuary pieces of witches um and it was truly my favorite thing um and that comically like as an adult I am a collector across the board I collect too many things um and this started as a child with my witch collection for sure uh and I think my mother still has a handful of the pieces of it I don't think she has the whole collection anymore um well I know she doesn't because I know of a couple things that got sold years ago, but I, yeah, that was like my thing as a kid. Uh, Still is, obviously. Uh, And as I kind of like, you know, grew up, it continued like on. I was very obsessed with the witches from Hocus Pocus. Like I think everyone in my age bracket um, who was able to watch Disney Channel, uh, which I'm finding out was not as common as I thought in my age group but the being able to watch disney channel thing i mean not the hocus pocus thing because i think a lot of people now especially are very obsessed with it and i get it i was as a kid and same with like the halloween town movies um because all of them were you know based about these witches um and they, they weren't exactly the witch that I was super obsessed with because no one could be the Wicked Witch of the West, but it was filler between watches of The Wizard of Oz, which was great. And as I grew up, it like kind of continued. I'd find some like, you know, occult books and buy them and like be sneaky about it and try and hide that I'm like learning to practice witchcraft. But also like it was obviously no secret because I was obsessed with witches and like always trying to like make potions in the kitchen and stuff like that so like it wasn't an actual secret and then like you know I became an adult and I went to art school just outside of Salem in Beverly Um, and in my time there I of course started to spend a lot of time like going into Salem and shopping all the occult shops and the bookshops and trying to make like witch friends to kind of figure out how to practice witchcraft uh, by meeting other people and learning from them. Um, and I then started to like frequent the store in Beverly that no longer exists, uh, which is, you know, a great 
um, which was like a great starter place. I met some interesting people. I learned a lot of interesting things that kind of set me on the trajectory for a few more years of like learning to practice and really kind of learning like lots of folk magic without really knowing like what it was. Um, And that's where I kind of set my foundation of like really knowing like candle magic and really learning to make formulas for oils and incense and powders for all different types of things. And I didn't really know how to put into words what that stuff was. And now I understand that that was like just a ton of lessons in folk magic. Uh, And then I dropped out of college and I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And it took me a little while, but I did it. Um, I moved to New York in 2012 and, you know, tried to be an it girl, uh, didn't, didn't we all at some point? And, you know, I knew that that wasn't actually a realistic goal, but I think, uh, witchcraft very much influenced my aesthetic from 2010 to like 2014, I think when, you know, American Horror Story put out that coven season, myself and another friend, uh, hosted that show at a crappy bar in uh in Brooklyn and the second that show ended every everybody started pulling out those big hats and started like really really drowning us all in the like witch aesthetic and I was like oh I'm done I'm done and that's when my I wasn't done with witchcraft but I was not really using it as a um, visual inspiration as much anymore. And I did a very big shift to very like regular vintage wearing, which I had already been collecting for years. Uh, but it was, I was always doing like a lot of blacks and like classic witch look. Um, and yeah, Coven took me off of that train real quick. I was like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be lumped in with these people. So obviously I was still practicing, but I was not uh, kind of giving the visuals as much. And then as time went on in New York, I still, you know, I had my altar. I was regularly practicing witchcraft, but uh, you know, life happens. And so does becoming like an alcoholic and getting, mildly addicted to drugs so there was like a there was a a pause from I don't know I can't remember what year I kind of realized I was like "Mm, I maybe have a have a drinking problem I maybe have a substance abuse problem I'm going to maybe do less of this like witchcraft um, because like, can, can I actually even be trusted with it? Like, can I be trusted to do any of this correctly and, you know, do the things one is supposed to do with spirits when they make pacts or what have you? Like I knew I was like, it's time to step away, but I never obviously said that to myself. I, cause I, you know, it took me quite a few years to finally actually, um, get myself together and get sober. And then, um, in December of 2019, uh, I got sober 
And then I took some time to like mosey back to witchcraft. Um, And this time I have to say I have like such a deep focus and it immediately everything kind of snapped back together. It was like, oh, okay, all of these little things that have happened over the years were just kind of coming together to make for the, like, for this moment. Um, my partner, Keenan, my fiance, Keenan, uh, they brought up, like, kind of an interest in learning more about witchcraft. I did some research on what books were a good place to start for beginners bought it bought some for them and then kind of immediately stole the books from them read them all and then started a like absurd buying book problem but actually no it's not a problem because I actually read them which is really wonderful I buy a lot of books and I read a lot of books which is very different from how I functioned as a witch before this it was hands-on learning exclusively with some research and books to back it up. Now I have invested really in like finding the books that sound the best to me, reading them, flagging every mention of fiber arts as I do that, or flagging everything that I'm like, oh, I'm going to need this. I'm going to have to come back to this. And that kind of brings us to today. Um, and I have been, you know, since the, probably, it was during the pandemic, I felt a grab back to witchcraft, which I think a lot of people did. I think a lot of, like, interest, like, you know, looking in at ourselves brought us to witchcraft for the first time, or back to witchcraft, and... That for sure has happened with me and I, when I put the connection together that there is some sort of fiber arts and witchcraft uh, crossover happening or happened in the past that does not get mentioned really in any of these books, I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to find the connections and make, um, you know, and get it all together for myself and other people who love this. Um, And I didn't ever think that it was going to be a podcast that I did on the topic, but I've realized, and I kind of mentioned this in the intro, that things like sewing and things like knitting and family recipes, they were passed down often like a mother would teach their child how to do this thing. That's how it happened in my like family um i have like my mother my grandmothers on both sides all of them sew all of them knit my mother is the most casual of all of them um in those things um she likes to do them to kind of fill her time i like to do them now as like a i'm making my clothing i'm you know, using this to find gender euphoria. I'm using making vintage clothing patterns as ancestral veneration for trans people who weren't able to express themselves in the 
like 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, the eras that super inspire me. Um, my mother is much more casual, uh, seamstress knitter. She always made all of mine and my sister's Halloween costumes. That's how she taught me how to like sew. I have, I still have one of my capes from like one of my witch costumes as a child. Uh, my grandmother on my father's side was like a well-known quilter. She was immensely talented and she taught me how to quilt kind of as a kid. Um, she started to teach me the basics of quilting and quilting by hand exclusively. Even though she was a machine quilter, she wanted to set down the foundations of like me being a good hand sewer. And then she also was a knitter. She was like known for her afghans. Like everyone in the family had at least an afghan that she knit. And my sister and my mother both know the pattern for those afghans. I've never knit one. Um, I don't think I have the focus for a long-term project like that. That being said, I also did start a quilt this year. Um, so long-term projects the making a yo-yo quilt is really truly ridiculous if I don't like them but yes I have this like lineage of sorts of fiber artists in my family so my mother more of what we'd call just like a crafter she can make pillows she can make Halloween costumes but she's not really sewing her clothing um same with my sister and they both knit they can do hats scarves whatever um and then my grandmothers, both of them sewers, knitters, homemakers across the board, and they really taught me um, a lot of all of those skills and I think really planted the seed uh, of my love for them. And this is kind of going back to how I refer to sewing, knitting, embroidery, and witchcraft, all of these as like feminine arts as like a little queer child. You know, everybody was like, so, I don't know, not people in my family, but I think other people were like kind of put off by my love of these feminine things. And that's how I kind of knew that they were considered feminine since I was a child. They were, you know, not things that boys did. And I had zero interest in things that boys did. Um, I still kind of have zero interest in classically things that boys do. Um, I... I'm not uh, the sporting type, um, but, you know, society has progressed and like hobbies and arts and things like that being gendered is truly a way of the past. It's not going to be thought of like that in 50 years. It's hopefully kind of on the way out sooner than later. Uh, but I have this lineage. Um, my grandmothers taught me. And then on my father's side, one of my great grandmothers was... Uh, like a seamstress. She was like the town seamstress. You'd go to her to get your clothing fixed, your clothing altered, whatever. So that's like three generations uh, before me, at least of women that did fiber arts. Um, and really, once you get to that time frame, probably every woman in like the family from then going back probably had to know how to do these things just to keep a home and you know live in their time frames because it was more common to know these things so I think that there's probably been an unbroken streak 
of like fiber artists in my family line. Uh, and I don't know if there is any witches in my family line. I will, I don't think I'd ever say that there isn't definitively um, looking into kind of my family tree. There is some stops in the Pennsylvania Dutch area. So I have invested some time in learning about like Pennsylvania Dutch magical um, arts of sorts. I, you know, don't really call it witchcraft um, because they don't really call it witchcraft, but I have been reading up on powwow and things like that um, because my family line stops in in the Pennsylvania Dutch area. Um, And then from there, you know, some ancestors go back to Germany, which, you know, brings us back to um, Walpurgis Nacht, which is the Night of the Witches. Uh, It is May Eve. uh, And that is why I, you know, want to start this podcast on this day. Um, Who knows, I might have had family, you know, mounting their brooms and getting to the Brocken Mountains to... uh, enjoy <laughs> enjoy some witchy revelry um so i have some some wishes of witches in my past but i for sure have um some like you know heirloom traditions of being making uh knit things in my family and sewn things and it's really important to me and who i am as a person Um, And even, I will say, I'm not like the most family-oriented when it comes to blood. Obviously, I love my family. Um, But being a queer person, I think any queer listener kind of understands the, like, importance we make of chosen family as time goes on, too. So uh, I've had a lot of witches in my chosen family, that's for sure. Um, On my ancestor altar, which, I don't know, will probably be discussed at some point in the future, I have photos of people like Gilbert Adrian, the amazing costume designer, uh, and the actress Marlena Dietrich, David Bowie, um, and right at the top is uh, Joe Netherworld, along with photos of Blood family and Keenan's family and our friends who have passed on and uh, icons that we majorly look up to because those people are all our ancestral family um and i always try to honor them daily um and that kind of you know goes into minecraft and what i do which i was kind of mentioning a bit earlier um so yeah i think i've kind of told you a good amount about me and what i'm doing because like obviously i'm not going to tell you everything uh, all in episode one because why would there be literally any other episodes and you know I have no idea what the correct length of time is for an episode Um, so I'm just going to try and make this one not too long so it's just a good introduction and you hopefully don't get tired of hearing me talk Uh, so what's going to kind of come in this series the idea is that uh, myself and friends will meet at the crossroads of witchery and fiber arts Um, I will be doing episodes 
by myself where I just kind of delve into a topic or type of fiber art or something that's inspiring a deep dive into either of these topics. And it'll be me just telling you all about these things. Other times I will be having some guests come on and help me like broaden my horizons of like what fiber arts are available to me. Cause that's like the most exciting part about having maker friends and witch friends and having maker witch friends is that like everybody does something different and it's so thrilling to see what they're making and to see how they're integrating like their witchcraft into their everyday lives so i'm of course going to bring you those types of people um and i've got at least one scheduled but i figure you know i will just kind of announce them as they come um because, you know, they might hear this first episode and say, mm, I'm good, pass. Um, but I think that this is maybe a good place for me to wrap it up for now. Like I said, it's just the first episode, so there's only, only so much to kind of go into as this is just an introduction. Um, I hope that all of you enjoyed listening to this episode. It's make sure to, I don't actually do. Okay. So I'm used to YouTube where I tell you to like, and subscribe. I don't know what the version of that is for podcasts. So by episode two, I will know what I'm supposed to say here, but I think that uh, I'm supposed to ask you to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast so that more people will be inclined to listen. Um, and if you don't follow me on social media, I'm at Severely Mame, S-E-V-E-R-E-L-Y-M-A-M-E. Uh, and you can keep up with me there. I've also got a Patreon where I am the Vintage Stitch Witch. Uh, and over there, you can catch the projects that I'm working on in both either the world of witchcraft or the world of fiber arts. I also get a peek into my personal life uh, over there. Uh, that is also, you know, you see on Instagram too, uh, but make sure to follow me on Instagram. You can follow my YouTube page. I haven't decided if I'm going to start um, to record the video of this to upload there, but there is a very good chance I will because I know the YouTube world better than I know um how to do this so if i just kind of look at it as a youtube video that's mostly just audio i'll be in maybe good shape so with that rambling i will wrap things up this was our idle hands i'm severely maimed thank you so much for listening